So on Father's Day, we thought it would have to be Coke and Yorkies. So... <laughs> Edward's just going to be serving this, and just while we get, get started, I just thought, uh, great to see Mark here this morning, being a dad for two days. I thought it'd be interesting to find out who actually has been the dad for the longest. Now, yeah, suddenly this is going to be an age thing, I'm aware of that. So if you've been a dad for longer than five years, do you want to raise your hand? Longer than five years, okay. Longer than 10 years. Longer than 20 years. <laughs> Longer than 30 years. Oh, 35 years. 36 years. 37 years. 38 years. 39 years. 40 Oh. Okay then, I thought we'd just do another one. Who's got the most kids? One, two, three, four. Oh, we don't get higher than three. Okay then, a little bit of maths, but I know us guys could do it. I'd like you to add up the total number of father years you've got. So I've got three kids, one is 14, one is 16, and one is 17, so that comes to 40... Oh, I'd already decided to buy a present, it's in a week's time, but yeah, okay, she's 15, I was trying to make the math easy. Work out how many years you've been a dad in total. So, okay, so my, my son is... 14, my daughter's 15, and my son is 17, so that will be 46 years. Okay, then, I'd like the other, we're going to see how far we go now. So, John was 40 years, was it? He's been a dad. Now we're going to see how high we can go total years. So, we, we, I mean, we might as well start on 46. Anyone go higher than 46 total years of being a dad? They're still adding up. <laughs> There's no more than three here. How many, Chris? 111. <laughs> I'm impressed. John, do you go higher than 111? Okay. Well done, Chris. Congratulations. Today is Father's Day. It's celebrated in most countries around the world on the third Sunday of June. USA, India, Canada, China, France, Greece, Japan, and even Hong Kong. Why the 3rd of June? Third Sunday in June, I hear you ask. Well, some of you will know that it was Mrs. Sonora Smart Dodd that introduced Father's Day. What had happened is her dad had single-handedly raised six children. And she was so in awe of what he'd done that she wanted to start this, and his birthday was in June. So she started almost like a Father Appreciation Day. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, flowers. I know dads are not really into flowers massively, but a rose is the symbol of Father's Day. And if uh, your father is alive, you would wear a red rose. And if he's not alive, then you would wear a white rose. Money. 
Dads always like to get onto money, don't they? I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but dads, in 2012, the average amount spent for Father's Day was £16. It has slipped this year to 12. So by next year, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have to colour in your own handmade card. I mean, it's going in that direction. They did a study in the southwest of England, and they reckon that 95% of dads would rather not get a present and be taken out for dinner. But this survey was taken out by Pizza Hut, so it may have been slightly biased. <laughs> you see, the fact is, you suddenly think, we get to Father's Day, and what's it all about, and what are we trying to celebrate? I do believe that this is for everyone, what I'm going to talk about this morning. We all have a dad. Some of us are dads, some of us will be dads, and hopefully we all want to support dads. And so I hope this morning that what I'm going to talk about is inspiring to us. I think that there is something. I found the film quite moving. You know, I'll be honest, I chose it. I think that actually to be a dad is a huge privilege. Dan Brown, the author, you might have read the book, seen the film, The Da Vinci Code, says there's no love is greater than that of a father for his son. Some of you might not have been into reading so much, but you might be into Stevie Wonder music. Isn't she lovely? Was written about his daughter. She was born, and apparently they reckon on the original track, you could almost hear her crying in the background. Some of us may well have read the books Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh was written by A.A. Milne for his son, Christopher Robin. It was almost like because he loved him so much. So I thought, what could I do on Father's Day? Well, I'd love to have a load of top tips that I could give to people. I'd love to say, well, surely what this is being a dad is all about. If I was to do that, these would be the four that I would throw out. We're so busy giving our children what we didn't have, we don't have time to give them what we did. I think the challenge often is that we should spend half as much money on our kids and twice as much time. And so many of us, the danger is that maybe we were brought up and we didn't have much money, and so we think we'll earn lots of money and give our kids gifts. Top tip number two. Our job is not to produce happy teenagers. You can tell what stage I'm at. <laughs> but responsible adults. Teenagers are addicted to freedom. How on earth do we parent in the midst of that? Tip number three. Guys feel recognized for what they do. So therefore, your son will fear failure and look to you for respect. Girls so often feel valued for who they are. They fear rejection and therefore will look to you for love. How do you make sure that you parent your sons and daughters well? I've said this many times before. I will say it many times again. I think living in London, we need to hear it many times. No dad has ever said on his deathbed, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. I would beg us to say, come on, surely if we've got to be great dads, we've got to invest time. I know that being a dad is a huge challenge. And I don't want to stand here and, and condemn. I just want to recognize that. Pope John Twenty-Third said it's easier for a father to have children than for children to have a real father. So this morning, I want to look at that. I think it's a huge challenge. What does it mean to be a great dad? Marilyn Monroe, many would have known of a, a life that was tragically cut short under very dubious circumstances. I don't know if you know that actually she went from home to home and didn't have a stable father. She said this, when I was a youngster, I lived with different families. I nearly always felt closer to the man of the house 
maybe I always dreamed of having a father of my own. And I'm aware, even to be honest, some people here, you think, God, this is a painful morning, Pete, and you're speaking on a subject which could be really tough. Father, we thank you that we have a father in heaven. I pray now as I, I take these few moments to look at this of what it means to be a dad on Father's Day. I pray for some of us that have been hurt. I pray you'd set us free. I pray for those of us that are dads, that you'd help us to rise to the challenge again with energy and vigor. I pray for those that are here that are going to support men to be dads to their kids. We ask that you give us wisdom and a way to encourage. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got three points I'm going to flick through quickly while you're munching away on your chocolate this morning. The first one I've called this, The Job Father. Yeah, it was a slight play on the film, I know, The Job Father. So actually, if I had to define this role, what would I do? What would I say from Scripture is something to do? You see, I think that definitions can be really helpful. If I say the word to you, dad to you, and I I am one myself, I'm sure most kids would say a little bit overweight and a little bit out of touch. Most television things might think of a dad as someone who's broke because his kids have got all his money, who's tired because he's always been driving them to some enriching experience and a lesson elsewhere. It may be someone who's given up the sport that he used to enjoy doing, or, or even a man that dreams of the time when he's an empty nester and they've left home and he can now do what he fancies. I think the Bible has something very different to say about being a dad. It says in Psalm 127, verse 4 and 5, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. I think that actually the Bible would clearly say that a dad is an honor and a privilege. It is a gift from God. Now, um, you know, obviously I'm getting to that age, maybe I'm just getting a bit sentimental I remember when Josh was born, my first, um, I'll be honest, we didn't have him in our room a lot because, well, I just didn't want him in the bedroom. We used to have a second bedroom. We was there next door. I used to go in there. There was a rocking chair. I can picture it now because my wife was often feeding him. But I, I could pick him up and sit there on a rocking chair and I would just cry, probably for the first six months. I used to think, I can't believe I'm a dad. You know what I'm saying? What an awesome privilege and responsibility. You know what I'm saying? But you just think, I think it is a massive privilege. I genuinely am hugely grateful. And I would say this, if you're a father, give thanks to God. They are a gift to you. What else does the Bible say about the job father? It says that actually I think we're to be thankful. It's a privilege. I think we are to teach I think both parents get involved in teaching, but dare I say, our, our, our tendency or our danger is that we can think, oh, we, we leave that maybe to the mum, the wife. But actually, I think we're to get involved. I'm not going to quote all the verses. I'm a little bit short of time this morning. But in Proverbs, it says in Proverbs 4 verse 1, listen, my son, to a father's instruction. It says exactly the same in Proverbs 13. In Psalms, when they're recounting about the past and what God has done, It says, we've heard it with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us. 
In fact, in Deuteronomy, when it's talking about the history of the people of God, again, it says, ask your father and he will tell you. I think if you look at a biblical picture of a dad, it was one that was involved in in the responsibility of teaching the family. In Job, we know that he offered sacrifices on behalf of his family. In Joshua, we know that he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I would say this, if we're going to be biblical men, we should make sure our kids know about God. We shouldn't leave them going to kids' church to find out about God. You need to be open about your own prayer times. Your kids should notice when you fast. Because you're not sat at the table. It's like, oh, Dad's not eating today. I know we're not supposed to tell everyone, but you know what I'm saying? Your kids are so close, they will spot it. Surely you will model passion for the church, and the kids will pick that up off of you. I think we have to be transparent about our trials and our difficulties, because I think that's real life. I think we want to be those that take our kids on mission adventures with God. And that can be different for every one of you. I know when my kids turned 13, I thought I'd love them to see something of God in a different place. So when Josh was 13, I took him to India, and we went and we were involved in work amongst the slum there, and we spent a week out there. And you think, I want him to see something of God. When Lois was 13, we were involved in a church plant into Istanbul, and I took her there, and we connected. Wow, what's it like to be planting a church here? And Josh keeps reminding me that he's turned 13 and we haven't done a trip yet, so I'm now in trouble. Isaac, sorry, God. (laughs) I'm in even more trouble now. You can tell you're a dad when you confuse the names of your kids. It's frightening, isn't it? I think as dads, we're here to provide. How How do I say that? I think there's many examples in Scripture when it's the dad that comes and seeks God for something. You think about that. In Matthew 17, I wish I had time to go through it all, it says, they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him, Lord, have mercy on my son, he has seizures. There's another story, a synagogue leader doesn't delegate this to someone. It says in Luke 8, that actually there was this crowd, and Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. We know in John 4 that Jesus visited Canaan and Galilee, turned the water into wine. This man heard that Jesus arrived. He went and begged him to come and heal his son. I think part of our responsibility as dads is to be providers. Now, we often think physically, and I think that's true. You know what I'm saying? I don't expect my kids to wake up in the morning and think, oh, golly, I better not have second helpings of cereals because I know dad's short cash. It's my responsibility and my privilege to provide for them. I don't expect them, you know, just to think, oh, I'll only have half a glass of milk because that means he's got to go back out to Nissan and buy another bottle. That's what kids do. I'm there to provide. But I think as well as physically, I think actually we need to emotionally provide for our family. I think we need to provide a sense of acceptance, security, and self-worth. I read again this week that actually girls are much less likely to experiment with premarital sex if they're secure with their father's love. But if they're not secure, they tend to look for it elsewhere, and most boys give them attention in that area. I think that we are to be those that provide affection to our kids. I think without affection, it's so easy for kids to perish. I think that we're to be available for our kids. 
we know that love is spelled T-I-M-E. And I think that we're to provide an authority for our kids. I think that we're to help them in self-discipline and self-decisiveness. Now, again, you can realize that this is all my point one. There's loads of things. I'm trying to define what is the job dad. I would say as well, and this I think is true for all of us, we're to be spiritual fathers. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 verse 2, to Timothy, my true son. He writes in Titus, Titus, my true son. He writes to the church in Thessalonians 2.11, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Uh, You know, it, it seems a huge, great responsibility, doesn't it? But this is what a dad is to be. A dad is to be someone who brings refuge. If you, if you crash the car, you should be able to still speak to your dad. A dad is one who listens, who's gracious, compassionate. A dad is a supporter. A dad should be a fan. I'd love my kids to think, oh, my dad is crazy about me. A dad is someone who guides. A dad is one who forgives, models what it's like not to hold a grudge. A dad is surely someone who's trustworthy, dependable, reliable. Yeah, it was Josh. I was just making sure I got the name right. One of my kids used to jump off the stairs. And, you know, it might be three or four stairs up, and he'd just jump like this. And I'd put my arms out and catch him. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? You think, well, that's what dads are for, isn't it? Now, I, I wasn't perfect. When he jumped off the top stair, my arms weren't long enough, but I did stop him hitting the wall at the bottom, you know what I'm saying? But you think, surely dads are there to try and help and be the best that we can. So that's the job father. The second point I want to say is, what's about the model father? If, okay, Pete, so you've brought out some passages, and I know you skipped through several examples of what the Bible describes as the role of a dad. What models are there? You see, I always think more is caught than taught. So what are your models? I know this gives away my age. I grew up with um, Howard Cunningham on TV. Any of you have heard of him? The Fonz? This was the the man, you know what I'm saying? That was the sort of father figure. Maybe reliable, steady, earning the cash, you know what I'm saying? Whereas I think my sons have probably grown up with um, Homer Simpson as the model father. You know what I'm saying? This beer-drinking guy that just seems to get into all kinds of trouble. The fact is that there are different pictures of fatherhood out there. If I had to go through the Bible, and I'll be honest, I found this quite enlightening, quite shocking, quite frightening, quite real. What models of fatherhood do we find in the Bible? Well, the first one we come across is Adam, and he really messed it up. Because the only inheritance he left for his kids was sin. You know what I'm saying? Everything was perfect until Adam came along. But then I think even about David. I mean, he was the great king of the Old Testament. What did David do? He was inattentive to his own family. So actually his daughter ended up getting raped. He was not disciplined to his own son, Amnon, and he never completely reconciled to Absalom. I think about Eli, the first priest. He actually scandalized the people and God because he didn't discipline his own kids. I think about Abraham. He had favorites. And that generational curse then went to Isaac, who doted on Esau rather than Jacob, that went the next generation because Jacob then preferred Joseph to his brothers. I think about Lot that actually couldn't uh, 
take the world out of his family. So although he moved away from Sodom, his own daughters tried to sleep with him because they'd been sexually, you could say, misled by the world because he hadn't been a father to them. I think about Achan that stole goods, which meant his whole family were punished with death because of his own action. I think of Saul that had such a violent temper that not only was his son afraid of him, his son's friends were also afraid of him. You could go on, couldn't you? Is it Jephthah made such a rash promise that his daughter remained a virgin until she died? I think about Noah that got drunk in front of his own sons and shamed himself. I think about Samson, whose father was such a weed that the kid ran the home. And he said to his father, get me a daughter, do this, do this. And the dad just ran around doing it. I think there's some huge challenges when I look through the Bible about what is a model father. I'm aware that kids grow up in a really tough world. I feel that. I feel for my kids now. I think there's constant media. You know, when I was their age, it wasn't like you're constant. You know, nobody was texting you. We didn't have mobile phones. You know, I know they keep saying, Dad, you really are. We didn't even have a landline when I was their age. You know, the homing pigeon used to pass by once a month. That's what I tell them. But, you know, the reality was I think there's just under pressure now. You get cyberbullying. We never even knew about all that kind of stuff. I think there's pressure now on our kids for taking drugs that I certainly don't believe was there when I I think there's academic pressure on my kids that certainly wasn't there when I was there. So how am I going to be a model dad? Josh McDowell, some of you would have heard of him. He's an American author who's written lots on this. He says, being a good man is hard. Being a good husband is difficult. Being a good father is the hardest task of all. You see, I feel the role model that so often we have as men undermines being a godly dad. I mean, I'm not saying this is a good thing for you guys necessarily do. I went into Google Images and I just typed man. And I thought, what images come up? I felt quite insecure, actually, how some of those men can get into such tight boxer shorts and look so good in it. There's, it's, it's now a very sort of macho image of what a man is. You know what I'm saying? You suddenly think, oh, golly, I, I'm not quite sure I'm tough enough, butch enough, if that's what the world thinks a man is. I think so often we, I, our identity is connected to our work, and that is the image we bring into our family. So therefore, we give more to our work because it feeds our identity than our family. I think the role model is that so often it's of authority that's abused, and therefore we can bring that into the family as well. I think, tragically, too many men are afraid of intimacy. And we bring that into the family. And I would even say now, for dads, particularly with daughters, how do we generally give them a hug without feeling like, oh, is that inappropriate? Girls still need hugging. And I think, how do we overcome some of these negative stereotypes about dads and the way they get involved? I would say this. If you've made a mistake, and, and lots of us will have done, I think the simplest thing to do is we need to say sorry to our kids. Sometimes we just need to say, I'm sorry. I found one of the most powerful times when my parents, I'm not going to expose them this morning, but I'd grown up and something maybe hadn't worked out quite right. And I remember as a student went back and they just said, look, we're really sorry we did that, Pete. We, we always wanted the best for you, and at the time we thought that was the best. Now we realize maybe it wasn't. And I thought, God, oh, I feel quite undone. They've said, 
sorry to me. I think sometimes as dads, we've got to say, actually, I've got it wrong. And I want to say sorry. And I think on the back of that, I would say uh, to all of us, even Chris with his 111 years experience, it's never too late to be a dad. It's never, no, I'm not saying start again, Trisha. (laughs) (laughs) She looked excited for a moment. (laughs) I think we could still be a dad to our kids today, this week, this month. You know what I'm saying? We mustn't say, oh, that's it, I've blown it, they've left the home, they're teenagers. Oh, if only. I think actually we could still be their dad, even if they've moved out of home, even if they're married. I think we must never say, oh, it's too late. So the job father, the model father, the third thing I'd like just to talk about, and then we are going to pray, is the perfect father. You see, what I love about Christianity is why I didn't want to finish on the four tips, is that I don't want to come and just say, oh, look, here are the four tips, and this is what it's all about. Actually, I want to look at the perfect father. I guess Lion King might be the one if I thought anything about a perfect father, the image of a dad that literally laid down his life for his son. I think there's only really one father who I would say is good. I'm going to throw out some verses. You can ask me questions later. In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, Do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. God is the one that we call father. That is just such a huge privilege, isn't it? I think often it shows how do we understand God. Do we come to him as almighty, as powerful, as creator? Or do we come and call him father? When you pray, Jesus said, call him father. What kind of father is he? Well, it tells us in Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Again, the danger is, if we're really honest, we've all grown up with an understanding maybe of what a father like was what our father was like. Did he always say, work a bit better, do a bit harder? Actually, we have a father in heaven who shows compassion. If we're going to be good dads, we relate to the God dad. And he's a God of compassion. We know that actually he, he, he loves us. It says he created us. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 6, is he not your father? your creator, who made you and formed you. This is the God that we serve that says, actually, I'm the perfect father. If you want to learn to be a great dad, look at me. We know that actually he didn't just create them and walked away. He didn't abdicate his responsibilities. It tells us in Deuteronomy 1, verse 31, then you saw, this was like through the wilderness when they're wandering, then you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. It was lovely, that picture, wasn't it, even on the video, of picking up the blanket and that. You know, the father just carries, picks up, loves. But that's surely the picture the Bible is saying is how God feels about us. You know, it's almost like he's just asleep on the sofa and he just thinks I'll pick him up. Oh, I won't leave the bunny behind. I won't take the... That's how father is. It says, doesn't it, in Matthew 7, if you, then you, though you're evil now, to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven... Give good gifts to those who ask him. I mean, that's the father that we serve. That's the model that we could look at. This is the perfect father in heaven. It doesn't mean that he doesn't discipline us. I think sometimes in our modern society, we've always said, oh, oh, you you can't discipline. I just want love, love, love. Well, actually, the perfect father does discipline. He tells us that in Proverbs 3, verse 12, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. 
We know that as earthly fathers, don't we? I shouted at my kids. But when they're running to the road, surely that was the best thing to do. If you don't shout, stop, I mean, it'd be tragic, wouldn't it? That's a discipline. But what we do know is that he loves us. Deuteronomy 10, verse 18, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. You see, this is the wonderful thing I want us to go. We could go away and think, oh, golly, which father do I, I try and emulate? Which one of these models do I try and copy? Actually, there's a perfect father in heaven. We're to call him father. It says in Galatians 4, verse 6, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. We don't need to be fearful. I mean, the story was read out this morning, wasn't it? You know, he runs to us. Some of you would have read Mark Stibby's book on that. I find it just mind-blowing. I've read it many times, to be honest. You know, it says his feet moved in response to his heart. He wanted to run so fast, although in that culture, men over 30 didn't run. It was considered undignified. You know, he might have had to literally almost hoik up his skirt, show his legs, inappropriate, ran. But the father, in fact, Tim Keller in his book on that story says it's not the prodigal son, it's the prodigal God. Because the real scandal is the expense that God paid to show you his love. That's the God we serve, isn't it? That is the the wonderful father that we come before. And we can think, oh, I don't know if I can do it. You don't know my past, Pete. What I do know is this God can start a new. We don't have to settle for some of the things and we think I've made a mistake or I've done it wrong. I would love every guy to go away from today thinking, I've got hope. I've got hope. I could be a good dad. God could use me to be a great dad. Now, it doesn't matter if you're 14. I still pray my kids will be good dads when they're dads. My daughter will be a good mum when she's a mum. I would like to, um, I'd like to pray for every guy here. Some of you are dads and some of you aren't, but I think, hey, we'd like to celebrate together. So maybe, why couldn't the guys just stand right now? And we'd love to pray. I try and make it a manly prayer. I try not to get too emotional, but I mean, it's a real privilege, isn't it, knowing a Father in heaven? Father, we thank you that you are the perfect Father to us. I do pray, as I pray at the beginning, there were some of us, maybe as guys, we think our dads, well, they were shortcomings. They were great in, in the way they could, but they let us down. I pray that we'd forgive them, I pray that we'd be those that look to you, our perfect Father. I pray for every man here who is a dad. And we're so aware of our shortcomings. We're so aware we've had a busy week and we feel like we're a little bit short-tempered. I pray, God, forgive us where we've made mistakes. Give us grace to go again. Give us strength this day. I want to thank you for the way the kids bless us on a day like today. I pray that you'd help us to bless them every day. Lord, I want to thank you for chocolates or Superman films, whatever we hope they're going to give to us this afternoon. But actually, I pray that we'd be guys that provide, not just physically, but emotionally for our families.
I pray that we give our sons and daughters affection and love and time. I pray that we give them energy and thought and intentionality. I pray that we'll even cut corners sometimes. I think I've got to get out of the office because I, I want to be there and invest in my kids. I pray that we won't miss those important events. I pray as a church that we support men and dads. I pray even for the ladies sat here and they think, oh, you know, it's, I know it's not Mother's Day today, but as we want to cheer on mums, I pray as a church we cheer on dads. I pray as a church, oh God, that we cheer on fathers. We cheer on role models. We say, come on, you're doing great. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, you inspire me. I pray we'll learn off one another. And we ask this all for your glory. Amen.